there's a story I think of often uh, that as I think about the modern day Jesus follower, myself included oftentimes, that comes to mind. And there's a story, and I don't know if it's, if it's myth. I wasn't alive during the Crusades, so I can't fact check it. Uh, but there's a story going around about some soldiers in the Crusades. The Crusades were in like the early, like, thousands, 1100s, 1200s, and it was uh, really, and let's run after the Holy Land, let's, um, let's kill a lot of people on the way. I think it's one of those things where you look back and you go, okay, a little bit problematic for Jesus followers um, that we have to come to terms with. And, and this story, uh, this story sums it up well, because the legend has it that when crusaders were going into battle, they wanted to go into battle as baptized believers, meaning like we are associating, we're putting ourselves under the banner of Jesus. And so they'd have these large uh, baptismal services where they'd say, we're just going to baptize every soldier before they go go into battle. And uh, what would happen a lot of times according to legend, is that enter the waters of baptism and the priest would, would take them under the water and they'd fully submerge themselves except they'd have their sword and they'd stick it up out of the water so they'd go all the way underwater and then bring them back up. As if to say, God, you can have all of me. You can have every single fiber of my being. You can have my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. You can have my marriage if I have one of those. You can have all of it except for my violence. You can have all of me except for this thing. I don't want you to baptize this thing because then I'm going to have to do some changing about what I'm about to do. Uh, I'm going to have to change my way of life a little bit. And I used to use this story, uh, and I've used it oftentimes with uh, pointing back to like our, our generosity and our stewardship, because it's one of the ways that I, I, I struggle following Jesus the most, if I'm being totally frank with you. I am, I'm stingy, except when it comes to myself. I will splurge on myself all the time. I'm selfish. Full, full disclosure. And I struggle being generous. And, and so one of the things that, that I uh, have, have references to is oftentimes I, I take my debit card and I say, God, you can have all of me except for my spending habits. I don't want you to baptize that. I want to do what I want to do. And I don't want you to influence that whatsoever. But I think it goes far more expansive than that, that uh, my perceive the things I've seen and then my experience, the, the things I've lived, points to me that probably every single person in this room has something that in the proverbial waters of baptism, we're holding out of the water saying, uh, God, you can have all of me except. You can have all of me except. Maybe it's stuff that's exterior to your life, the stuff that other people see. <clears throat> that like, God, you can have all of me except I don't want to serve my neighbor. They're really annoying. And maybe that's your neighbor here at the church or maybe that's your neighbor like geographically or maybe it's somewhere in between, but like they're kind of annoying and I don't want to serve them. Maybe it's time with the Lord. You go, God, I am just, I'm stressed out to the max. So you can have all of me except you don't get to prioritize my schedule. I'm gonna... I'm going to set that for myself. Maybe it's how we're generous and how we give away. God, you can have all of me except for my spending habits like I talked about. 
Maybe it's the way we treat others. God, you can have every single part of me except I'm going to be quick to anger and I'm going to just lash out on people because that's just the way you made me, God. Maybe it's interior stuff and people don't see the, the exterior uh, stuff that, that, that you're struggling with, but maybe it's stuff on the inside and you go, God, you can have all of me except I'm gonna choose to still continuously be a really angry person. God, you can have all of me, but I think I am better than every single person around me. I've got just immense amounts of pride. God, you can have all of me except for my eating habits. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna choose to eat what I want, when I want, and I know that this body is a gift, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna splurge all the time. I'm not gonna take care of it as if it's a good gift from your grace. And I'm gonna show that I, this one, I'm going so deep because this is another one for, for me, but I'm gonna show that I have zero self-control and I worship other things by the time, attention, and value I put on what I eat or what I consume. God, you can have all of me except for my future situations because what else would I think about in bed worrying at night about? It, uh, you can have all of me, I'm just not gonna give you my worry. As we're, we're in Acts chapter 19 this week, as we walk through what it looks like to be God's people uh, in a church being formed, and as I read through Acts 19 this week, we're going to see a pretty radical transformation uh, take place in some sorcerers, of all things. And this question came to mind for me. And I want you to just, I don't want you to think about people around you. We're great at that. I'm great at answering questions like these for other people. I want you to think about you. If you are uh, claiming to be a Jesus follower, if you're saying, yes, I am following, I'm pursuing Jesus, I'm trying my best, here's my question for you. If you were in the same station in life, same age, same all of that, same job, all of that, and you were not a Jesus follower, so if the only thing about your life that changed was that you were not a Jesus follower, how would your life look different? How would your life look different? For being frank with you, I know plenty of people that are good people. I know plenty of people that are like really kind. I come in contact with people all the time that are really, really kind people. They think about others. They, 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 really, the only difference is that they don't show up with us on Sunday mornings, but like they give to good not-for-profits and they, they uh, host people in their homes and they do all the... So this is what I'm trying to get at a little bit. If you were not following Jesus, how would your life look different? Or would it, in essence, you want to come to men's breakfast? You want to come to Sunday gathering? But does your life roundabout look pretty much <clears throat> the same? And here's the question I'm driving at further. What is it in your life that Christ has uh, transformed? What is it that you have had to surrender to say, this is not from you, God, and I'm not going to hold this above the waters of baptism anymore. Instead, I'm going to surrender it to you and watch you transform it. Because here's, here's, here's our premise for the morning. We're going to look at a group of people uh, that encountered the good news of Jesus that Paul was preaching, encountered the gospel, and it ushered in radical transformation for their entire 
lives. For the totality of their existence, they said, we're choosing to surrender ourselves to this. So in, in uh, Acts 19, Paul is in Ephesus, and he's going around doing what he always does. He goes to the synagogue, he goes uh, to, to Jewish people, he begins to preach. And we're going to pick up in verse uh, 13, okay? In verse 13, <coughs> Acts chapter 19. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Uh, this is a really good picture for me. I love, I, I love this idea that, like, Jesus has power. Paul is operating here with power. Um, but there's something about uh, the, the work and life of Paul that's been transformed in such a way that it's not just associating yourself with the name of Jesus. It's not just going like, yes, I, I've heard of Jesus. I'm on team Jesus. That's, that's good. Uh, Jesus is a good moral teacher. Jesus, there's something beyond that because here these Jewish people are, are, are trying to invoke the name of Jesus and the demon's response to them is like, I don't, you, you don't have any power here. I don't, I don't know who you are. And, and all in Ephesus where they're at, uh, the whole culture was dabbling in spiritual practices, dabbling in, in spiritual practices and, and so sorcery and mysticism and all this sort of stuff where they're like kind of dipping their toes in the water and, and, and then there's some people in the culture that are absolutely obsessed with it. Uh, but what happens when they dabble without surrendering their whole selves, they try and invoke the name of Jesus without actually surrendering to Jesus, is the demon goes, no, you don't have any power here. I've never even heard of you. He attacks them so bad, though, that they, uh, they get stripped of all their clothes. They're humiliated. They're, they're brutalized. They run out of the house naked. And this, this whole scenario begins to spread around, and it opens up some really interesting uh, conversations in a culture that, like I said, is obsessed with, with sorcery, with mysticism, with things of this nature, dabbling in <coughs> the dark arts. And they begin to have a conversation with themselves that, like, we've heard of the way of Jesus, but maybe this isn't a game. Maybe this isn't something that we should, like, toy around with. Uh, maybe there's more to this than we thought. And people begin to see this. People begin to see what's happening here. And they begin to wonder, what does this mean for my life? <clears throat> Jump with me to verse 17. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, so the people living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. So the, the group of people living in Ephesus, obsessed with uh, sorcery, obsessed with practicing magic, obsessed with all of these things, see what happens from people pretending, and it says the fear of the Lord seizes them. <clears throat> Verse 18, many of those who believe now came and openly confessed what they had done. 
<clears throat> and so what we see here is uh, it, it would be really easy for them to then just go, oh, clearly this Jesus thing means a little bit of something too. So we're going we're gonna to practice uh, synchronism, and we're going to take the parts that we like about this Jesus thing, and we're going to apply it onto our lives. We're going to take the parts of Jesus that clearly there's something below the surface here, and, and we're going to take that, and we're going to apply it to our lives. <clears throat> but what we see taking place actually is them going, uh, oh, this is way more important. This is way more serious than I thought. And it says, many of them believed and openly confessed what they had done. So they come into this assembly, they come uh, forward and they go, listen, here's all the stuff, here's all the sin. And they begin this process of confession. They take a step away from living their lives the way that they wanted to or the way that they thought was best. And they go, we're gonna repent and we're gonna engage in the practice of confession and we're going to choose to surrender our lives to doing things God's way. God's way. <clears throat> they realize that their life was in desperate need of salvation that Paul was preaching as he was going around to all of these cities. He was saying, listen, you are far from God, but God is not far from you. All you have to do is surrender your life to him to say, God, I'm trusting in the work of the cross. I'm trusting that the work of Jesus was enough, that it's finished, that it's final, it's good enough for me, and then that can cover over my life, and, and God will forgive the sins that I have committed against him, the creator of all the universe. Jesus made this claim on himself. In John 14, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In this culture of obsession with spiritual things, Jesus' claim shines through brightly that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody can come to the Father except through him, except through the work of Jesus. So they believed that Jesus was who he said he was, the Messiah, their Savior, and then they confess and repent, turning away from their former lives. I talked about this a little bit, but it's really, really, um, it sounds good to our culture that we live in today. And oftentimes I find that it sounds good to Jesus followers to, to practice this cultural and spiritual assimilation where we go, I want all of the best parts of culture and I want all the best parts of Jesus and I'm just gonna take what sounds good to me at any given time and, and I'm going to practice my spirituality that way. I'm gonna practice my spirituality by like, okay, Jesus said this, be kind to your neighbor. That's a good thing in 2023, let's do that. But the whole repenting and, and following God and doing things God's way, I'm not really on board with that. And so what we get is this muddied mix inside of churches and inside of culture of Christianity. That it's this, and it's this muddy mix because it doesn't look like what Jesus was asking us to do. It doesn't look like uh, uh, of walking humbly and practicing justice and, and, and offering mercy. It doesn't look like taking care of the orphans and the widows. It doesn't uh, look like full surrender because it's just like, well, I want, I want the like, Lord's prayer part. I want the, the good shepherd uh, part where like the Lord's my shepherd and I lack nothing. I want those parts, but I don't want the other parts. And so we practice assimilation and it makes this mess but this isn't the call of the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead in practicing our own way of life. 
We were dead in doing things that we wanted to do, but it is only through the the grace and the salvation that we can experience through the work of Jesus on the cross. It is only by saying, I'm trusting in that and I'm believing in that, that we can be brought back to life. We were once dead and are trespassing sins, but God being rich in mercy, being rich in grace, offers us a second chance and gives us a way to life, to be reconnected with the author of life, the creator of all things. But what this takes is total transformation. It takes total surrender and total repentance, not just partial. Because if, hear me now, if we could play a part in this, we wouldn't have needed Jesus in the first place. It kind of moots the whole point for Jesus being necessary. Like, like if we could like pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and go, you know what? I'm gonna figure this thing called life out and maybe at some point I'll earn my way to salvation. Then Jesus would have been like, what would we have needed him for? But humanity for generations upon generations have tried that. And every single time it just turns into a mess. I think of the book of Judges where it's like there was no king. Everyone does what was right in their own eyes. And what happens when everyone does what's right in their own eyes? They all kill each other. It's just chaos. And, and, and we like to think that we're more evolved people now. That like we've, we've grown and we've learned. But no, when everyone does what's right in their own eyes, like we have laws in our country to hopefully curb a little bit of this, but it turns into chaos. It's all the shouting is mess, and you go, this surely isn't what it means to flourish as humanity. So it takes total repentance, and that's that's heaps of humility on our part to go, you know what? I'm putting my hands up. I can't figure this out, God. I just need to trust in you. And it can feel really restrictive. I get this. It can feel really restrictive to to use terms like total surrender. Because total means, if you're following with me, everything. Everything. Total surrender of your life means, God, you get to tell me how, how I spend my money. And God, you get to tell me how I raise my kids. And God, you get to tell me how I interact with my neighbors. And God, you get to tell me how I spend my free time. And God, all of these things, and that begins to be a little bit suffocating because you're like, do I have any agency in this whatsoever? Or is it just like God is this, this puppet master with all these Jesus followers? But what that does is a leave out a crucial point. If it can feel suffocating to surrender everything. But it leaves out a crucial point. God is far greater in every possible sense of the term. God is far greater than anything. Anything. I'm going to say it again. Anything that you would surrender. Uh, 
So to say that that feels restrictive just shows us that we don't maybe have a full grasp on who God is. There's a quote, I've said it before, I'll say it again a million times until uh, my time comes if the Lord should tarry. And it's said by Augustine, he's looking out over the the Adriatic Sea in Africa and and the waves are washing in and Augustine says this, "If this, if these are the beauties afforded to sinful men, what more does God have in store for those who love him? Whatever you are surrendering, whatever you're giving up in order to pursue and follow Jesus pales, absolutely pales in comparison to who God is and how good he is. Check out in verse 19. This is the magicians, the sorcerers, the people. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together. Remember, these are the people that have repented, that have said, we want to follow Jesus. They bring their scrolls together and burn them publicly. This sounds like a 1990s youth group with a CD burning. Uh, But they bring their scrolls together and they burn them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. 50,000 drachmas. Now, I don't know the last time you Venmoed each other a drachma, but to contextualize this, a drachma is equivalent to one day's wage. One day's wage. So think about your job. Think about how much you, uh, you make every day that you show up at your job. I'll let you contextualize that, whatever that is for you. Now multiply that by 50,000. For those who are uh, not great at math, myself included, I did the calculations. If you went to work every single day, every single day, which I don't, I have two days off a week. Some of you have more, some of you have less, but two days off a week. If you went to work every single day, 365 days a year, no holidays, no breaks, one, that sounds exhausting, but two, it would take you, get this, 50,000 drachmas, 50,000 days wages. It would take you 136 years. 136 years. There is not a single person in this room that is going to live to be 136, barring any medical miracle. Uh, and um, 136 years. When the people became absolutely obsessed with the work of Jesus, absolutely obsessed with the person of Jesus, they said, I don't care about anything anymore. We're throwing it in a pile, we're lighting a match, and we're burning the whole thing down, we're repenting, we're turning towards the way of Jesus, and we're following and pursuing him wholeheartedly. transformation of this magnitude when you were dead in your trespasses and sins and then begin to experience new life through the work of Jesus, we throw all of our sensibilities out the window because we begin to have conversations like 136 years of wages is like a lot of money. That, I mean, yeah, God's good, but no, I promise you, That God is so much better than 136 years worth of wages. It reminds me of uh, uh, the story that that is in the Gospels where Jesus is, is eating with religious people. And then this woman comes in. And she's got this expensive jar of perfume. And... uh. 
And she doesn't just like take the top off because of how jars work then and dump a little bit on his feet to anoint him. No, she crushes the whole thing. In order to get the perfume out of the jar, she crushes the whole thing, surrendering all of it. And it was expensive stuff. And she says, Jesus, you are worth all of it. Life with you is so much better than the money that I could have from this, uh, from the, the things that could have been bought with this. And some of the religious people start to get angry at this. And they begin, some of these sensibilities begin to come up and they go, Jesus, yeah, I could have been sold to, to, uh, to, to feed poor people. And it could have been, and, and I'm sure in Jesus' mind, he's like, like, I need money to begin with. Like I'm, this, and he, what he says is she did the far greater thing. She did the far greater thing. She breaks it open, not just a, a tiny drop, not just a pour. She says, Jesus, you are worth all of it. All of it. Because whatever, I promise you this, whatever is on the table of like, this is what's in the way of a life fully committed, fully pursuing Jesus, whether it be your temper, whether it be your spending habits, whether it be uh, people you hang out with, like you fill in the blanks of whatever is like, yeah, I want to be fully surrendered to God, but fill in the blank. I promise you that life with God is far sweeter. And the invitation this morning is to taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Paul says this in the book of Philippians. He's talking about uh, having reasons to to brag, he says, though I myself has reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regards to the law, a Pharisee, I've done it all. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on following the laws, I've been faultless. And then here's what he says. So he sets it up in comparison. He says, I have all of this good stuff going for me. I've done all of the right things. And then he says this, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I love this language he uses here. I consider them garbage, garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul's pointing us towards, towards something here. That like, yeah, lives, we can experience some really rich and beautiful things, but a life full of following and trusting in Jesus is far better in every way. And to pit it up like, okay, yes, I want to be faithful to God. Yes, I want to follow Jesus, but that means I have to do this. That means I have to give up this. That means I need to sacrifice this. That means I need to surrender this. That means I need to be more generous. That means I need you fill in the blank, whatever it is, a life of following Jesus. This is all garbage compared to it. It just, it, it can't compare to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the author of life and the creator of all things. Jesus even talked about this in a couple parables. Talking about what the kingdom of heaven is like and, and what it's like to follow God. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. 
And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had so he could buy the field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. How many of you today, if you left this place and you got a call from that person in your life? You know, like the person who like has a guy for everybody and like knows stuff and they're like, listen, I got this field for sale up in North Danville. Pirates somehow (laughs) sailed their boats there. Buried treasure there. Millions and millions of dollars. Honestly, untold worth. I don't have that kind of cash on hand uh, to go purchase a field, but I'm sure going to make a go at it. I'm sure going to start listing stuff on Facebook Marketplace. I'm going to start hawking stuff on the street corner because I realize I'm, I'm not a great businessman, but I'm not stupid to know a good deal. And that's the good deal laid before us today. There is a life full of untold worth before us. One of sweetness and richness in abiding in who Jesus is. One in a peace that passes understanding when the world is shaky and things seem to be on a a loose foundation. One that is sure and certain. And all it takes is surrender. All it takes is surrender and sacrifice and saying, God, I'm giving up everything, everything to follow you. This life is too good to pass up. Watch what happens when these people do this, okay? They get together, 136 years worth of wages. They burn it all, say, we want a life with Jesus. Verse 20, in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. It is my, as pastor connection, it is my earnest desire that this space, our gathering, fills up with people who are far from God because they've seen and heard, they've tasted and seen God's goodness and they've been drawn into a relationship with him. It is my earnest desire that as connection moves forward, that we are going to the people who are far from God and we are saying, listen, does your life feel like a mess? And they go, yeah, I just can't figure this out. And we go, I have the way to salvation. It's through Jesus. And people, people come to saving faith in Jesus. And as I've talked to people around the room, that's, that seems to be people's desires. Like, what does it look like for people to come into the fold to say, yes, I want life with God as it was intended? And what Acts is pointing to here is that the way the word of God moves forward and spreads in power is a group of people saying, 
God is so much better than anything, than any possession, than any lifestyle, than anything you can fill in that blank with, than any position. God is so much better that we will give up everything. And in fact, everything, every single thing in comparison to life with God is just absolutely worthless. It's garbage. So if we, if we want to see people fall in love with Jesus, if we want to see people who are dead in their trespasses and sins and, and people who are far from God be drawn near to God, if we want to see it, what it takes, it's simple. It takes us surrendering and going, Jesus, you can have it all. It's all yours because it's all worthless compared to you. And church, that's the way forward for us. That's the way forward that when people see that in our lives, they go, because here's the thing, people don't do that. People in our, our, our city, and our county, don't, don't do that. They don't just give stuff up for stuff that's worthless. But what we're, what we're sacrificing for isn't worthless. It's good it's good. In fact, it's the most good. It's the greatest. It's the God of all creation. Does your testimony, does my testimony, does our testimony have any power? Does it hold any weight? Or are people looking at Connection Church's lives and going, well, they, they kind of look like my unsafe neighbor, except for they all gather together on Sunday mornings. Sometimes they have some special events outside of that, but really, I mean, honestly, it doesn't really look that different. Or when people hear uh, our names is what's said instead, like, man, I don't get the whole Jesus thing, but they are in love with him. They have, Jesus has transformed their lives. They just look different. And I might not agree, I might, but something is different about them. There is a spark, there is a fire burning deep within their soul, and they are on a mission. They are on a mission to, to be God's active agents of love, transformation, reconciliation, all of the stuff they are working towards. They have sur- sacrificed and surrendered everything. Do, if your life, bring it back to the question I asked at the beginning, if you were not following Jesus, how would your life look different? And then I think as we begin to come to terms with that, if the answer is, I don't know if it would, then I think the Holy Spirit might be whispering to some of us this morning of stuff that we maybe need to sacrifice, stuff that we maybe need to surrender, that we need to go, you know what, God, you can have this You can have this because it's worthless compared to knowing you. I want to give us time to reflect on this. Um, And so we're going to close with a song. But as we sing uh, about this, uh, God's goodness, as we sing about who God is, um, I I want you to reflect on this. Spend some time thinking. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you now.
Um, and, and then I'm going to invite us at the end. I feel like there's probably some actionable steps that we need to take. And some of those actionable steps, uh, you can do the moment you get home. If you're like, you know what, God, I, 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 I have for far too long, I've tried to follow you and let alcohol consume my life. And, and so I'm going to go home, pop the top, dump it all down the drain. I don't, I'm not going to let that control me anymore. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe it is a, a certain car that you own, and you're like, this is who I am. This is my identity. And yeah, Jesus is good, but this car is really good. Maybe you're going to go out in the parking lot. You're going to take some pictures. You're going to list it on Facebook Marketplace. And that sounds silly, but it's not because God is so much better than anything and everything. Pray with me. Jesus, Holy Spirit, speak to us now. God, we want our testimonies to have power. We want the transformation that we've experienced to to speak to those who are looking in. God, life with you is so good, so forgive us for when we try and replace it with inferior things. Speak to us now. I ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen.